All right, so welcome back, everyone. Once again, Dr. Peterson is back with us to discuss a very interesting topic, religion, virtue, and faith, and how these things affect stress. So without wasting any time, let's get started. So um, a lot of people believe in God, and it has some importance in their life. So could you explain, I guess, what God is or what our perceptions are of God and how that affects stress? Well, thanks, Tony. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing to start with is is when you start looking at religion and you look at um, faith and virtue and other things is religion is really based on our, our perception of what God is like. What are the characteristics of God? And many people have different different ideas, even within certain religions. They, there's variation or variability in terms of how people view God. I, you know, I'll probably focus more on Christianity because I'm more familiar with that. But even within um, Christendom, there's lots of different views of the way God is and how we interact with God and, and that type of thing. For example, some people may think of God as sort of like a doting grandfather who's out there and it's, oh, OK, you kids, you know, <laughs> you're doing good. And, you know, you know, and, and I, you know, I'll take care of you and I'll be around. But I'm sort of, you know, this older gentleman who yeah. you know, kind of oversees things. You know, and others, their relationship you know, over their experiences over life, they tend to look at God as sort of like this deadbeat dad. It's this person that just really isn't there. Yeah, okay, you're my father, but mm -hmm. you're never around when I need you. I call on you. You're not reliable, right? And so there's this other view that people have. And then other people may look at God as sort of a punitive judge. He's out there just waiting for you to step out of line. And once you step out of line, whack. Yeah, you know, I'm going to get you. Like it's kind of like uh, you know Santa Claus. He's he's uh, he's seeing who's naughty and nice, yeah. right? Right. And so you know, yeah. and he's kind of measuring that out. And and then you've got this you know, I call the Santa Claus blend. Sort of it, it gives you things, he gives you good things, and then he takes away, or you know, he doesn't give. You get coal in your stocking if you're bad, and if you're good, you get special gifts and presents. Yeah. And and you know, and it's it's kind of like a cosmic vending machine. You say the right things, <laughs> you do the right chants. And that's what it is. And, and so when people are, are defining God or trying to, they're images of God. And I ask people when we talk about this topic, like, how do you view God? What's your perceptions of God? And those have a starting point, because if you start to think about those things, it'll also help to clarify a little bit about why perhaps certain religious beliefs or certain other things you may be more, um, um, you know, favorable towards. But I also say to people that, well, you really want to know what, what, what God is like if you're Christian, right? Well, God is exactly like Jesus Christ, right? So if that's essentially what it says in the Bible. If you read the Bible, I mean, the idea is that, well, he says, I'm the son of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Okay, yeah. well, it doesn't mean in looks, right? right. It means <laughs> everything, right, in terms of how he interacted with people and what he did and how he did it and all that type of thing. And so when you look at our, how we view God and what God is like, religion sort of sets itself around that. And it sort of says, well, what is it that we need to do to make God happy or to make God like us? Right. And or what do we need to do in order to inherit heaven or, or nirvana or whatever it is that we're, we're right. looking for? And so religion becomes sort of the practices, the potions, the performances that we need to do in order to make God happy and to earn salvation. So religion, which actually comes from an old uh, word that means to bind, it's actually to hold us, right? 
Um, and, and these types of things, um, religion kind of um, as an outcropping of that. So, so for many religions, it defines God as angry and upset. So he's looking for ways to punish us. He's a God who we have to appease and please by our efforts. Um, and so God says, you know, he loves us, but, you know, it's conditional, right? If you right. don't behave the way I want you to, then look out, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's one way that people look at that. And then religion is also almost universally accepted notion that our performance, that is what we do, gains a higher standing with God. Mm-hmm. So I'm more righteous than you because I do X, Y, and Z, where you only do X. Right. Okay? And so people sort of, and you get this sort of, sort of this uh, religion will sort of breed this idea of self-righteousness or judgmentalism and things along those lines. Um, and then religion consists of programs and practices that promise the reward in heaven for our good deeds and punishment in hell in return for our failures. And so it, oftentimes you'll find within religion that you will you'll go there and, and you know perhaps you'll attend whatever it is religious uh, service that you have and at the end you leave and you're sort of scared to death as to whether you're going to have an afterlife or you're yeah. going to you're going to be saved or whatever it might be and and that's kind of stressful if you think about it yeah. you know you're going through life not knowing whether you're the god the creator of the universe if, 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 if that's your belief is actually loves you mm-hmm. right and, and you're, so you, you go and you go day to day with this doubt and you go day to day with this sort of a sense of fear, looking over your shoulder and making sure you do what you need to do. Have I said, done enough rosaries? Have I done enough prayers? Have I, right. have I attended church enough? Have I done, you know, enough good deeds? Have I done all these things? And, and, it, and it leads almost to a, 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 a overwhelming feeling of failure or inadequacy. And it's not that you shouldn't be humble by yourself and that kind of thing. What it means is that you're living this, I have to earn it. And God is sort of there waiting for you to screw up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of scary if you think about it. And so many times it's, it's really, you know, religion is often dispensed by professionals who prescribe the potions and programs, which they say will fix and cure us. And so, you know, you have to do this. You have to drive. I've even seen people, you have to drive this type of car. You have to give so much money. If you don't yeah. give X amount of money, then you clearly aren't as good as someone else. And God's going to be mad at you. Well, what if I can't afford it? Well, it doesn't matter. I've seen a lot of abuses within religious systems um, that are there that can be extremely stressful to people. They're not sure. They leave each Sunday or Saturday or whatever day they keep. And they, they, um, they leave with a sense of doubt and foreboding. And, and that's, and I say it sort of, well, within Christendom, I always say, well, how does that reconcile with the belief that God is love? If God is love, boy, he has a funny way of showing it. <laughs> right. See what I'm getting at? And, yeah. and so that leads to the sense of um, distress that people go, and some are very fearful and they act and they, and they respond and live their lives in a sense of despair and, uh, and uncertainty mm-hmm. and fear. And that is unfortunate in many types of religious practices. Yeah. So now that you've kind of talked about religion specifically and how certain practices and rules can, you know, affect stress and stuff. um, We also, a lot of people would consider themselves faith, themselves faithful. So could you maybe explain, I guess, the difference or what 
is like the fine line in between them and how faith then affects stress levels? Well, you know, if, you know, one, one thing's kind of interesting. If you believe in God, that's a faith statement, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's a faith statement, which means you believe in something that you, you haven't seen, but you know it to be true. Mm-hmm. Right. And so faith is more, is that it's essentially, I, I know something to be true and I live my life that way. Right. And so a, a faith statement that I believe in God, or you, if you're a Christian, you'll say, I believe Jesus is the son of God. Right. Right. And I believe in the resurrection and, the, and I believe in his glorification and whatever it might be. That would be a, a Christian uh, viewpoint. And so if that is, that's a faith statement. Those are all faith statements. It has nothing to with re, do with religion. Right. Because gotcha. religion would be the follow up of the practices and the things that you would do and right. all that kind of stuff. I don't have to be religious in order to have faith. Mm-hmm. In fact, many people I've talked to call themselves irreligious Christians, or they they don't they say I'm not religious, but I I'm a Christ follower, for right. example, right? And so those are that's a faith different differential. I had a, a, a theologian once tell me that they they define faith as our receptivity to God's activity. Okay. So I said, okay, what does that mean? Well, it's essentially. <laughs> Essentially, well, what's God's activity? Well, God's activity is love and grace. And so if you're receptive to that, that would be essentially a faith practice so that you are not, you know, it's not religious. I'm not going to church every day. In fact, I may never go to church, but I may be very receptive to God's activity. Right. Right. And so that, what is that? That's based on faith. And so these are, that, that sort of differentiates religion, right, from um, the faith side, because in faith, it's more, it's, it's a positive outpouring. Right. And from the stress standpoint, if you are an in- individual that has faith and have a firm belief in something that you haven't seen, but you know to be true, how would that affect your day-to-day life? How would that affect the decisions you make? How would that affect the way that you handle stressful situations, how you get through difficulties and challenges? I mean, if you think about it, if I'm stressed every day, right, or daily we get different types of stressors, but if you're religious and you are on, if you're ill or you get sick or you lose your job, well, from a religious standpoint, you would have the notion of, well, God's punishing me. There's some lesson I have to learn. I'm clearly not in good graces with God. Right. Or lady. I said, well, what kind of God does that? Right. You know, you think about it. Right. Oh, well, I just want to punish you just to make just because I want to or I just think that this is the best way to make you grow. And so I will I will make your life miserable. And so you'll learn. Well, would you do that to your kids? I mean, you know, would you do that to someone you really loved? I just want to hurt hurt you. So you'll learn a lesson. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You You know, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Whereas a faith, if, from a faith perspective, okay, I get ill. Well, life happens. Things happen, mm-hmm. right? Right. There's a bumper sticker that says S happens, right? I can't say it on the air. Yeah. But anyways, but <laughs> it, it happens. Life happens. But, but and, and you lose your job and you go through situations that are not good and challenging and maybe very uncomfortable. That doesn't mean God caused it, right? But, it, but from a faith standpoint is, well, maybe God will help me see me through it. Right. You see, it's a very different perspective that God will see me through something. He knows what's going on. He sees what's going on, let's say, from a faith perspective. 
right? And he helps me get through it in my faith. And it may be a connection through prayer or readings or whatever it means, but it's not this punitive religious standpoint, which is God is punishing me. I don't, I don't have a job. I'm ill. My family's a mess, right? Well, yeah, that's your human condition right now. Right. That doesn't mean that God's not going to help you get you out of it. But what, from a faith perspective, right? But it doesn't. It doesn't mean that God caused it. Right. You see, right. and and that's a, people are always looking for that implied agent. We talked about that earlier in this series. But that you know we're looking for a cause for every effect. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes things just happen for no fault of your own. You got you got a miserable outcome. Right. Yeah. Right. And also some people through no merit of their own got all these wonderful, what we would call blessings, even though they're absolutely nasty people. Right. Right. You know, so life just happens. Life isn't fair. Right. But that doesn't mean that that uh, it was caused by God. Right. And and so a religion tries to assign that and say, well, you know, if you talk to a religious person, they will say, well, God has a lesson for you somewhere in there. Well, possibly, but, you know, I mean, but th- the point is, is that some people say, well, maybe God's going to make a lemonade out of lemons, right? And so I think I think many people get caught up in the religiosity. Yeah. And that leads to a lot. It makes your life even worse. Okay, I lost my job and I have ill health. And now I believe the creator of the universe is punishing me and doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty miserable existence to have. Yeah. <laughs> Versus I don't have a job, my health is there, but I have someone who has my back. And regardless of what happens, of whether I die or not, or whether I can get through this or not, is always there for me If now for all eternity. Right. That's a different perspective, right? right? And it has a different impact on our stress response. Right. So the biggest difference would be that perspective, regardless of whatever practices or rules you take part in or believe in. Well, yeah, and if you and funny thing about religion is that if you don't do the right rules, I mean, I've, I've attended certain churches where people are judging people all the time, right? Yeah. Oh, you didn't do this. Where were you last Sunday? You should right. have been there. You know, <laughs> we've taken attendance, and you know, you haven't given enough in the offering plate, or you haven't done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I always look at that, and I said, this is so punitive. I mean, it's it's missing, the, and it becomes stressful to people. Oh, yeah. I didn't pray thirty minutes a day. Right? I was supposed to because that's what they told me. Who right. told you? Well, the religious guy, you know, the <laughs> minister or the pastor or the priest told me this is what's necessary. Well, I didn't take all the sacraments in the right order at the right time in the right way. Oh, no, that's it. You're, yeah. you're done. You know, well, <laughs> what do you do? Right. I mean, it becomes somewhat problematic and people that, then it leads to a lot of unnecessary distress. Yeah. And, and that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think you made that point. So. Now kind of moving on to um, virtue, I want to ask kind of like, what is it and how it relates to religion and faith? Um, And is it like a trait that someone can have or can it be learned? Like really just what is it? (laughs) Well, virtue, I mean, by definition is to be virtuous is to do right behavior right, or things that are good behavior, the things that would lead to a good life, right? Something that you want to emulate, something that, that has a, um, you know, a moral core to it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and it, and that's sort of a, the first part of this. And virtue is something that we really haven't discussed a lot relating to stress. It's something I've introduced because I see it's so important. Um, is the 
is that virtue is necessary to help deal with stress and also to help limit the amount of distress you may experience. And, um, you know, the, the, it is, in my opinion, one of the health, health behaviors or areas that we don't spend enough time on because we talk about exercise, we talk about sleep, we talk about eating right. But, hey, what about the behaviors that are related to virtues? Right. And, and you know, science has been pretty clear on this, that there are certain, there's certain types of virtues that make you more resilient to life's ebbs and flows. Right. The things that would cause stress or the things that, you know, the, the challenges that you face. And, they, and there's also certain the virtues that are going to limit your own cause of your own problems. Right. And so the three that are probably the biggest for this. All right. Is humility. Right. Forgiveness and gratitude. Yeah. If you look at, I mean, people have been studying this for some time. In fact, there's a number of people who've been studying these virtues for a long period of time, not from a religious standpoint, just just from the standpoint of let's just say good moral behavior, right? And what it leads to, and and what you find is that you know, let's take the first one, like humility. Well, first of all, most people don't even understand what humility is. They think it means being a doormat. I just you know whatever other people want. This is what it is, and that is is not even close to what it is. Uh, true humility is really a willingness to see yourself accurately, right? To have a right understanding of yourself in the world. Uh, it's an ability to acknowledge that you have that you made mistakes, that you have limitations, and and you're open to learning, right? Yeah. And knowing more. And and it's not it's not about having a self focus. So when you're always, when you're too self focused, that's not humility. Right. But it is the ability to appreciate the value of others. Right. So I value other people. When you're successful, I'm happy for you. I'm not jealous of you. Right. I'm happy for you. Right. So and you think about this, but humility is linked to, to higher levels of honesty, gratitude, uh, generosity, forgiveness, which we'll talk about a little bit and and helpfulness. Right. Humble people, by the way, are more active, academically motivated. And have an increased ability to experience the benefits of other people's kindness and social support. So if you're humble, you're willing to have allow other people to help you, yeah. right? And to appreciate their kindness rather than, oh, no, 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 you can't do anything for me because then I owe you something. Right. I've got to be the person that gives to everyone else. Well, you know what? That's not humility, right? That's actually pride. And yeah. that actually has its own problem. Sometimes <laughs> you need to say to people, you know, I really appreciated what you did for me. I, and, do, and that's, and that it will come to gratitude, but humility allows you to do that. Right. And so it's, and, 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 you know, if you're in a relationship, this is where people have problems. They create stress in their own relationships because they lack humility, right? Because it allows you to have better human relationships and you grow closer to people because they're humble, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't grow closer to people because they're arrogant. In fact, right. arrogant people drive you batty and yeah. they create a lot of distress. And it doesn't mean that you're a doormat for somebody. It's it's really the, the it's, humility is the balance between arrogance and servility, right? It's that perfect balance. Well, you, you do stand up for yourself, but you're also willing to learn and grow and you also appreciate others. Right. And, and just think how that type of, virtue would would display itself let's say in a relationship 
Do you think it would cause conflict? No. <laughs> Do you think it would cause, you know, people to get angry and heated conversations? No. It would be less so. And if you have two yeah. people in a relationship that are have humility, now you've got strengthening bonds. They're actually supporting one another and they're growing closer. Yeah. And so humility is a necessary virtue for long-term relationships. And this is one of the problems we find with a lot of people that go through distressing relationship situations. And it's not the only reason, but it's one. Right. That, that you know, people are just prideful and you're not doing what I said and you're not listening to me and it's da-da-da-da-da and it goes on and on and on. And no one's willing to back down, right? Yeah. And they're all saying, well, you're not listening to me, right? And so anyway, so you get these people fighting back and forth and no one's willing to be humble because they're saying, well, I'm not going to give in, right? Yeah. And that's actually the problem. It's, it's being humble and hu having humility means that you're willing to do that. It doesn't mean being a doormat. It doesn't mean accepting other people's opinions just to be humble. That's not humility. Right. That's just being a chump, right? And so, <laughs> You know, and that's different, right? Yeah. So, but you're willing to listen and entertain their perspective, and you're willing to learn from that. So, it's also you know it's important um, in terms of just our ability to be healthy. So, you really want to sort of, as they say, clothe yourselves in humility because that leads to a better behavior, right, and outcome. The second pillar for resilience, though, well, humility is the first one, but if you really want to be resilient. Well, the second one is gratitude, right? Um, a thankful heart, the ability to be appreciative of what we have rather than being resentful of what we don't have actually improves your mood. Yeah, I can and see so, that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because I really am appreciative of this. Yeah, so psychologically, people who reflect and reframe their experience from a perspective of gratitude, they experience more positive emotions. They have less envy. They have less depression, frustration, and regret. And they have more happiness and empathy. Right. They have lower stress levels and they have healthier relationships. So um, socially being grateful strengthens your relationships by promoting the relationship formation and, and maintenance, as well as having a better sense of support. Right. Help and, and collaboration. See, when you are grateful, you actually make a return connection. So if I give something to you, Tony, and you say, oh, that's great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah. it. You, get, you are actually giving back to me, and then I get closer to you, and you get closer to me. Yeah. Right? Because we, we, we're, we're in this world together, and we're helping each other, and we're thankful, and we're not, we're not using or just saying, I deserve it because I'm special. Well, right. <laughs> that's, 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 again, another problematic thing that leads to more distress. Um, so physically, right, grateful people experience more energy, healthier hearts, better sleep. And they live longer, right? And you're more alert, you're focused, you have better creative problem-solving skills when you're grateful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think of a virtue and you go, wow, these are all the things it does? Yeah. Yes. This is all proven by scientific studies. So this isn't me just saying, oh, here it is, right? And, uh, and it, it, it's interesting. The more grateful students were in school, right, the more successful they were in school. Yeah, I could, yeah. So, you know, they're not, and so, and the last one is forgiveness. It's the third pillar in resilience. And it, it's good to understand what forgiveness is rather than it's not. It is not letting an offender off the hook or letting the offense reoccur again right, and right. again and again, right? It's not denying reality. And it's not just totally forgetting what happened so you don't learn from it. 
and being making yourself vulnerable to the abuse or whatever needs to be forgiven again. Right. And it, it's it's not based on another's actions. It's really forgiveness is based on our attitude. And it starts with the mental decision to let go of resentment. I'm not going to resent you. Right. And it's a process, by the way. It's not an event. You just don't forgive once and that's it. It's hard when people have done you wrong. Sometimes you have to forgive them every day. Right. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's, it's just going to come back. It really, forgiveness literally unbinds you from potential bitterness. And bitterness is a very devastating emotional state. It will, it will suck you dry, right, and create a lot of distress in your life. And scientific research has found that those who have a forgiving nature have reduced stress, less anxiety, and less depression, <laughs> right? And so you think about today and what people are going through, right? And these are virtues, by the way. It's kind of interesting because when you look at this, to go back to the religious side of things, right? If you look at the religious side of things, um, those, and I told you, I said, well, if you will only look at what God is like, well, you just look at what Christ is like, okay? Because that's what essentially what yeah. it was. Well, what were his characteristics? Well, he was humble, he was forgiving, yeah. and he was thankful, so it's all come in full circle. <laughs> well, it comes in full circle. So essentially, the traits that we study as virtues are actually what, in, in, in terms of that religious belief or faith belief, are the virtues of God. Yeah. And so, and those are the things that actually make life more abundant and more fulfilling. Yeah. And so the idea that virtue is not important, and, and we focus, I think, too much on you know the, what I call the physicality of stress you know, in our reaction to that. But if you really want to get deep into what is causing the distress in your life and really understand ways that, that you may want to sort of, you know, reassess or redirect is to look at those underlying beliefs that you have about God, right? How religion has impacted you in terms of stress. Now, religion can have positive attributes and there's social support and and, you know, I call faith yeah. communities, but they're faith communities versus religious communities, mm -hmm. right? There's a difference, right? People who, who have a share of faith versus sharing religious practices where I'm judging you and right. keeping you in line, right? right? Well, it doesn't really help relationships. I really don't <laughs> want to hang out with you, yeah. right? But the, the idea is that you look at those things and you understand what your religious views are and maybe your religion is toxic. Maybe your religious beliefs are the source of your distress and you need to cut bait and run. Right. right. And, and, but I tell people, but your faith is something deeper and you need to analyze that and really assess it and ask, what do you think about God? What is the things that you really believe? And then, and then assess how that may be impacting your emotional state, your perceptions of reality, the perceptions of yourself. Right. Right. And then do that. And then also look at, your own virtues and, and, and practices, you know, maybe you need to take a look at that. Perhaps your people's relationships and stressors that they're going through are something that can be addressed through the pursuit of virtue, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, I gave three. There's many more, right. but at least those three. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that, that kind of summarizes, it kind of brings it full circle. Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Peterson, for all your thoughts and ideas on Religion, faith, and virtue. It was great talking with you, as always. 
So for more health-related podcasts and other interesting articles, please go check out Get Up and Do Something at guads.org. Until next time, this is Tony, your host of the Quads Uplift podcast series.